Well, congratulations, everybody. On this Pi Day, U.S. inflation has soared uh, 7.9% in the last year. It's a 40-year high. How many times are we going to break the 40-year high for inflation under this guy? Huh? Every time the vegetable in chief goes out, I, I know, somebody and uh, somebody called on Fridays. It was very disrespectful to call him the vegetable in chief. In my defense, okay, in my defense, Biden is a horrible person. And I don't care that he's an old guy with a disease. I care that he is a giant pile of crap and has been a giant pile of crap uh, sitting atop a heap of giant piles of crap that are his offspring uh, for his entire life. That's that's the only reason that I really care about any of this. But, um, yeah, the vegetable in chief, every time he opens his mouth, we, like, break a 40-year high for inflation. So it's like 7.9% now on its way up again. So, yay. Thanks for that. Appreciate it. I'm sure that things will will get so much better soon, but they probably won't considering everything that's happening in the world. And I'll, I'll be quite frank with you. Um, the U.S. just keeps getting exposed for doing so much awful stuff. I, I don't know how else to say it. I, I really don't. I wish it weren't the case, folks. I really do. But that's just what's been happening all over the world right now, especially in, in Russia and Ukraine. Uh, we did cover... A lot of very interesting stuff today on the early show. So if you did not see that, go to rumble.com slash Casey, the host, and, and check that out. In the meantime, I would like to thank R&B Car Company, locations in South Bend and Warsaw. R&B Car Company are your used car experts. U.S. inflation rose 7.9% in February, the biggest annual gain since 1982. <clears throat> now, that is according to the Bureau of Labor Statistics. There could be another year of high inflation amid the uncertainty caused by Russia's invasion of Ukraine, as well as supply chain disruptions and rising transportation costs, according to the Secretary of the Treasury, Janet Yellen. Uh, we're likely to see another year in which 12-month inflation numbers remain very uncomfortably high. Boy, that is it. Let me just read this again. This is the Treasury Secretary, Janet Yellen. <clears throat> we're likely to see another year in which 12-month inflation numbers remain very uncomfortably high. Boy, that is a dramatic change in tone from the executive branch of government from inflation's not happening, inflation is transitory, inflation is good, to now it's very uncomfortably high. That is a dramatic difference, don't you think, over just a couple of months? Well, a year. <clears throat> now, what I find so interesting about this, <laughs> as Joe Biden continues to go around and say, it's not my fault, it's not my fault. It's kind of like the gas price thing, which we broke down a lot last week. We broke down oil and gas several days last week on this show and the other show. And I, I did a mini version of the price history. I did a more in-depth version of the price history. And the reason that I did that is I wanted... I wanted anybody out there who had any doubts, anybody who was buying into this narrative that gas was super cheap up until Russia invaded Ukraine. You know, it, friendly reminder, gas went up 18% the first month that Biden was in office. A few months later, it was up 40%. That July, the first year in office, July, so just a few months after he took office, seven-year high in gas prices. That was in 2021, July. That's, that's long before, again, just you know, double-checking. If, if I'm wrong, let me know. 
That is long before Russia invaded Ukraine. But of course, Joe Biden's still running around going, no, 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 it's Putin's fault. He was asked by a reporter last week. He's like, oh, what are you going to do about inflation? He's like, oh, there's nothing we can do now. Putin's the one's doing it. No, that's not how this works. I had to remind everybody about the price war between Russia and Saudi Arabia under President Trump, which you did not feel at the pump because America energy independence. You didn't feel it. Lots of other places around the world did. We didn't. So, Joe Biden complained on Friday that he was, and I quote, sick of this stuff. The American people think the reason for inflation is the government spending more money. That's what he said angrily. He goes, simply not true. Well, it's not just spending money. I mean, there's other things that are involved with it as well. Joe Biden made his remarks at a Democrat policy retreat to Democrats in Philadelphia in a rambling speech about issues facing his presidency. Democrats didn't cause this problem. Vladimir Putin did, Biden said. All right, cool. So if, if Democrats didn't cause the problem, so this is where we go to inflation. Last week was gas and oil. This week is inflation. If Democrats didn't cause this problem, then why did inflation start going up right after the election in which Joe Biden was named the, uh, the victor? Why, why is that? Why is that? Why did it start going up? No, here, here's, okay, look, I'm going to give you just a, a little bit of evidence, okay? I just, because I know some of you are just like, okay, so you're just making this up. And because none of you are, who disagree with me, none of you are going to be willing to go out there and actually look up when inflation started going up. So I'm going to give you ABC News' Jonathan Carl. Jonathan Carl, for people who listen to the show on a regular basis, you will know that Jonathan Carl is the reporter who fabricated out of thin air the Trump said to inject bleach in your skin to kill COVID. Trump never said it. It was never uttered, never came out of his mouth. It was something that Jonathan Carl at the end of that press conference made up whole cloth when he asked the general. So Trump gets done speaking. He invites the general up. The general starts talking about all of this. Jonathan Carl goes, ah, just to be clear for the folks at home, uh, you're you're not, as the president suggested, you're not saying to inject bleach in your in your skin, are you? And the general looked at him and like, what what did you just say? And then Trump came running back up and going, I didn't say that, and nobody is suggesting you do that. But that always got left out of the the storyline. But so many of you have been just completely gaslit into believing that that really happened. You're still running around saying Trump said to inject bleach in your skin. No, he didn't. Never happened. The guy who made it up, Jonathan Carl, ABC News. Jonathan Carl, quote, if you look at the numbers, inflation really started to rise almost exactly when Biden came into the White House. Yep. A little bit before, but yep, pretty much. That's This is a major left-wing respected journalist who is considered esteemed by even the staunchest left-wing journalist in our media. So he said this on Sunday. ABC's John Carl on Sunday pushed back on the Democrat media complex's talking points and said that Joe Biden's policies led to high inflation rates and record gas prices. Wow. So a major left-wing reporter with the White House press pool went on ABC and said something correct. He still lied about the bleach thing, but he was completely right about this. And here's the thing. 
I keep I keep pointing this out. This is this is what's so amazing about it. It was amazing about all these news stories before COVID. It was amazing about all the scientific research during COVID. It is amazing about all of this stuff now. We're talking about oil and gas and inflation and everything else. You know what's amazing about all this? Hey, Josh, you know what's amazing about all this? You can go look at a government website and see it month by month. You can actually watch when it started happening. It's not like you need to dig through thousands of websites and news articles and everything else to find a paragraph somewhere buried in the middle of it that has a tidbit of information. You can literally go to any.gov and get this information right now. And it will tell you everything that I'm saying is true and everything that Joe Biden is saying and Nancy Pelosi is saying and all of their acolytes are saying is complete nonsense. But I know that you won't do that because you're all too lazy. You'll spend three hours watching TikToks but you won't spend five minutes looking up any scientific research or looking at a chart which has a month-by-month chart of the gas prices, the oil prices, or the inflation rate in this country. And I realize you're going to need another tab because you're going to have to Google when Joe Biden actually took office so that way you, you're, you're square because the people who are confused about all this have no idea when he actually take, took office because they, they still think Vladimir Putin is responsible for gas prices even though the gas prices went up in January of 2021. You know what you know what they did in, in December of 2020? You know what gas prices were doing in November and December of 2020? Whew, on their way down. And just like that, overnight in January of 2021, they started going up. Ah, isn't that in that weird? What happened in January 2020? That's right. The vegetable in chief got sworn in. Yeah, interesting stuff. What did he do on day one? Killed Keystone Pipeline. What else did he do that first week? Started passing pro-Russia energy policies, including approving Nord Stream taking all the sanctions off of Russian energy sector. That's what he did. But of course, no, you don't want to have that conversation, do you? Because it, it just shatters your little worldview and your little narrative. Jonathan Carl is one of the leftist left-wing reporters out there. And he's even going on, on all of the Sunday shows on ABC and going, look, I, there's no way to hide this, man. This is all his. There's nothing we can do about it. But Joe Biden throws a temper tantrum in Philadelphia in front of other Democrats? Democrats didn't do this. Vladimir Putin did. Okay. If Vladimir Putin did it, and by the way, the war in Ukraine is making it worse. That doesn't take away from the fact that it was already at 40-year record levels. And it was. That's the point. Inflation had already broken a 40-year record before the invasion started. The gas prices in July of 2021 were already at a seven-year high, long before the war in Ukraine started. That's the point. You got people running around out there saying, oh, no, no, it's all because of Ukraine. It's all because of Vladimir Putin. No, it is not. It ain't making things better. But it all was at record levels before any of this happened. And what did I keep telling you on this show? I kept reminding you that before Joe Biden was sworn in, I said, pay attention to a foreign conflict, something that'll be concocted to unify everybody else against a common enemy, yada, yada, yada. I expected it to be Syria, which, of course, by proxy would have been against Russia, but I expected it to be Syria. I didn't expect it to be Ukraine. I don't think anybody expected, really, uh, for Vladimir Putin to just invade Ukraine the way that he did. Now, of course, you've got um, Iran firing missiles near the consulate and the American government goes, ah, we weren't a target, so that, whatever. If Iran fires missiles into Iraq, it's okay. What? Okay, even if we weren't the target, Iran just attacked Iraq. Nothing? 
Vegetable and Chief didn't even talk about it for several hours. Didn't even make mention of it. There was nothing. It was just dead air. Couldn't wake him up from his nap. You know, those old people sometimes, no disrespect to older people, but I mean, sometimes, you know, they're really, really hard to rouse from their nap. But this is the nonsense that just continues to permeate through our, our society here. I, I'll get into Mitt, Mitt Romney. Don't you worry. Mitt Romney decided to go to war with Tulsi Gabbard. Boy, did he regret that decision. So you got Biden having a hissy fit. Democrats didn't cause inflation. Joe Biden did, which, of course, makes absolutely no sense. Because all you have to do is go look at the federal government's websites where they have all of their data, which they're required by law to have there. Ladies and gentlemen, go take a look at all of it. You can see all of the prices and everything else, when it started to go up, which month it you know came down a little bit, which, of course, was touted all by the, by the news media. Oh, it came down just a little bit. I shot right back up again. The fact of the matter is this has been a complete and total market reaction to this guy's behavior. That's just how it is. So 7.9% in the last 12 months for inflation, 40-year high, again, another broken record for inflation. But they're not going to talk about it because it's not really his fault. It's probably your fault. But I do appreciate Janet Yellen, and and I have to once again just reiterate this. We're likely to see another year in which 12-month inflation numbers remain very uncomfortably high. That's what Janet Yellen said. This is an administration who not that long ago told you that inflation wasn't happening, that it was a right-wing conspiracy theory, that inflation was just transitory. It was just, ah, just a temporary little thing. It's a little blip. is pop right back down. Then they said inflation was good. It's actually a great sign of a strong economy because Biden is the greatest economic president ever in the history of economic presidents. And now, well, now, it's not our fault that it's at a 40-year record. By the way, the next year is probably going to be really bad, too. What a dramatic change in tone coming from them over this particular issue. we got more coming up. News Talk 95.3, Michiana's News Channel. And uh, by the way, Fox News reporter Ben Hall was injured in Ukraine. Uh, It is not known the extent of his injuries or how severe they are. We don't even know how he got injured. We just know that he's in Ukraine. It was near Kiev, and he got injured. He is in the hospital right now recovering. Uh, Looks like he should be okay based on the initial reports. Okay, Nobody seems overly concerned about it, and this is obviously on the heels of the other reporter. Who, um, who who was killed in Ukraine. I covered that uh, pretty extensively on the early show today because everybody's saying the Russians did it. There's actually a lot of evidence pointing to the Ukrainians doing it. So be interesting for you to at least take a look at that. Rumble.com slash Casey, the host, if you missed it. Uh, but uh, again, Ben Hall, journalist for Fox News. He is injured in Ukraine. He's in the hospital right now. We don't have any further information. As soon as we get it, we'll certainly pass it on to you. Uh, we're talking about the situation with, with inflation. So inflation breaks another 40-year record, 7.9% uh, year over year. Joe Biden had an absolute conniption fit over the weekend when he was speaking to Democrats in Philadelphia and said, it's not Democrats who caused inflation, it's Putin. But that doesn't make sense because inflation was already at record highs before Putin invaded Ukraine. Everybody is pretending, and I know it kind of feels that way, but everybody's pretending that this war has been happening for a long time. It's only been going up with three weeks. 
This thing is relatively new, folks. I think we're in the third week now. So everybody is just, I don't know if it's TikTok culture or what, man. I have no idea. But people just are completely lost on time. They don't understand it. Um, but nonetheless, yeah, they're just going out there and they're just they're blaming, they're blaming everybody but themselves. But even Jonathan Carl from ABC News is saying, hey, um, this is all Biden. You can see it in the data. It all started when Biden got to the White House slightly before, actually. So you got to pay real close attention to this stuff. But like I said, a lot of people just buy into anything that they see. Unfortunately, uh, they won't do any actual research on this. Okay, I got I got a couple of stories involving news outfits, one with OAN, one with Newsmax. We'll talk about that coming up. News Talk 95.3, Michiana's News Channel, MNC News Time, 331. Time to check out Impress Jewelry Creations, creating meaningful jewelry for the moments that will last a lifetime. And good afternoon. Thank you for tuning in. News Talk 95.3, Michiana's News Channel. I am your host, Casey Hendrickson. Uh, so, of course, the Pentagon gave a briefing just a moment ago and said Russia does not have air superiority in Ukraine. The reason that they don't is because their planes keep getting shot down. I mean, that's with missiles. They're unchallenged in the sky, but as they fly, they're getting shot out of the sky with missiles. Helicopters, too. And I'll tell you what, man, it's the Ukrainians have... They haven't been given much, but what they have been given has been the right tools, the right tools for the job. And this is looking really, really ugly for, for Russia. So we'll continue to cover that conflict, obviously, as things develop. Uh, if you're interested in the story involving that American journalist who was killed over the weekend, uh, I did do a whole thing on it. And again, I'm not saying that the Ukrainians are responsible for his death. I'm saying there's a lot of evidence that points to the Ukrainians killing him and not the Russians. Um, and you deserve to see both aspects of that. Instead of just this rah, 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 you know, Ukraine is all good and Russia's all bad when there's been so much fake news associated with all of this. So just do yourself a favor. Try to keep an open mind about anything you hear about that conflict. And then then you can go ahead and get both sides, make your determinations with an informed position as opposed to just running into propaganda. Uh, former Newsmax host is taking a blowtorch to the network. And the the title of, of this from uh, Missy Crane over at Wayne Dupree. Wayne's a great guy, by the way. Uh, exposes traitorous behind-the-scenes deals. Wow. Now, that's this is kind of tied to the government and, and Pfizer paying everybody off. We went over that last week. Did we do that on this show, Josh, or did I do that on my other show? I might have been the other show. I thought I did it on this one, but I could be wrong. I don't know. They all blend together now. When Fox News was exposed for their work in pushing the so-called fair and just 2020 election and essentially stabbing President Trump and his supporters in the back, many people vowed to never watch them again, and they fled to Newsmax. And as I've said before, um, every network has hosts that are better and worse than others. And most of you know that there are hosts over at Fox that I adore. Uh, there are hosts over at Newsmax that I adore. There are hosts at OAN that I adore. There's nobody I adore at CNN or MSNBC. Um, but there are good people pretty much everywhere, and you can always find at least one person, with the exception of a couple of examples that I just gave, that is probably worthy of your attention. But, again, a lot of people just say, well, the whole network can, you know, bleep off then. If they're going to pull this, then I don't care about the entire network. While many people have gone back to Fox News since that fateful election night, Newsmax has a real name, made a real name for themselves thanks to the boost that they got from the Fox exodus. 
Uh, many people have become skeptical of Newsmax, especially when it became uh, started pushing the vaccine, which they did with a lot of vigor. And we talked about this, too. It, remember when Newsmax came out and Newsmax said that all of their hosts were going to have to be vaccinated? <clears throat> and that rubbed a lot of people in the Newsmax audience the wrong way. Now, there are people over at Newsmax that I just, I think, are phenomenal. Absolutely phenomenal at their job. I will watch them or listen to them until I am completely blue in the face because they just do a great, great job. Uh, with that said, the network itself certainly didn't do itself any favors by going out there and pushing the vaccines and mandating their own employees to get it. Now, the reason that this kind of comes up is former Newsmax hosts are now blasting the network for taking this money from HHS and from Pfizer to push the vaccines because Newsmax is one of those agencies that got it. Now, here's the thing, okay? I've got some people who are telling me that some local television stations took that money, too, to push the vaccines, and they have receipts. They've sent me some already, uh, but I am developing that story. So we'll see how that kind of comes out. But it uh, looks like some of the local news networks also took the money from the federal government in order to go ahead and tell you to go get the vaccines no matter what. And now we're finding that even the Pfizer CEO is saying, yeah, our vaccine isn't really all that good. And you got these 1,200 side effects that are on there. Um, and some of them are pretty gruesome, uh, pretty awful. But the news media is not covering any of that. The news media is is sure to tell you about uh, bio labs in Ukraine and the Russians exposing the bio labs in Ukraine, which you were told was a conspiracy theory, and now they admit exist. But now suddenly it's the Russians who might use a chemical attack in Ukraine. It's just they're focusing on that. They don't want you to know about the chemical attack that happened at home, and that was, of course, involving COVID. So we'll we'll cover this a little bit more because the Pfizer CEO had some really interesting things to say. We'll talk about that next. News Talk 95.3, Michiana's News Channel. I suppose one of the downsides of being a news agency and, well, screwing over your former employees is that they're all like reporters and journalists and stuff and they can dig up your dirt and release it to the public. That's what's been happening with Newsmax as of late. OAN has also filed a lawsuit against DirecTV and AT&T. One American News Network filed a lawsuit against DirecTV and AT&T, among other accusations. The complaint alleges that DirecTV and AT&T breached their contracts. OAN said that the service providers caved to political pressure and have to have put their unlawful interests and the unlawful personal, political, and financial interests of their management ahead of contractual and legal obligations. Uh, AT&T Executive Board Chairman William Kennard is also named as a defendant in the suit. They said the partnership was successful until the FCC approved AT&T's acquisition of DirecTV and the acquisition completed in July of 2015. AT&T and DirecTV did not hold up to their end of the bargain, and OAN is arguing that AT&T assigned its contractual rights to DirecTV and that is why the company declined to renew OAN's contract. So um, pretty interesting stuff. And, and again, DirecTV also canceled RT News and everything else, um, which is, again, that's Russia Today. That is government Russian news. But So OAN has filed their lawsuit. They're going forward with that. If you are interested in still getting OAN, I have a service available that has OAN that I can help you out with. Shoot me a message a little bit later on in the day. 
All right, cue up my audio for me, please. I would like to play the Pfizer CEO, see if there's anything that he says here on Face the Nation. I think Bongino covered this today. Um, see if there's anything in his, his uh, interview here that sticks out to you. Do you think that we will every fall have to prepare ourselves for a booster shot with COVID just like we get a flu shot? I think so. Any variants are coming, and Omicron was the first one that was able to evade in a skillful way the immune protection that we were giving. But also we know that the duration of the protection doesn't last very long. So what we are trying to do, and we are working very diligently right now, it is to make not only a vaccine that will protect against all variants, including Omicron, but also something that uh, can protect for at least a year. So you've seen some of that data on a, on a fourth dose, a second booster shot. Mm -hmm. You think it will be necessary? It is necessary, a fourth boost right now. The, the protection that you are getting from the third, it is uh, good enough, actually quite good for hospitalizations and deaths. It's not that good against infections, but doesn't last very long. Mm -hmm. But we are just submitting those data to the FDA and then... All right. Uh, I'm I'm sorry. Did I did I not have a phone call where somebody yelled at me, Josh, when I said it wears off? I did, right? Who's her name again? Huh. I feel like she owes me an apology. That's all. I, I'm just I'm just if you're out there, uh, whatever your name is, I, <laughs> I will take your apology at any time. <laughs> I just look, this is the head of Pfizer, the veterinarian, Albert Borla. He's out there, he's going, Yeah, you know, it's our, our vaccines aren't very good. Um, you know, they, they work okay at, at preventing hospitalization, not very good at infection, and they don't last very long. How long ago was that gonna get you kicked off of every social media network in existence? It wasn't that long ago. If you were to say that, you were going to get censored, you're going to get flagged, you're going to get booted right off of the social network. And here you have the CEO of the company saying, yeah, we got to work on new vaccines because ours is kind of trash. Huh. And Bongino, I think this is what I heard the tail end of this thing. And I'd ask the audience, I'm like, did he play the Borla audio today? And you guys said yes, because I heard the, the tail end of it. Bongino made the point, um, well, if it doesn't work very good and it doesn't last very long, what is the point of mandating it? A anybody? What's the point of mandating it? I mean, you got to, here's the thing. You know, I, I realize that we're technically in a war right now, but, you know, we're on the cusp of, of a major conflict here with Russia, which looks to be easier and easier every single day. But all of those people who are running around and tweeting these messages, send the unvaccinated to, to die in Ukraine. How can you send the unvaccinated? Help me if I'm missing something here, Josh. How can you send the unvaccinated to Ukraine if you kicked all of the unvaccinated out of the military? How can you, right? If you want the unvaccinated to go fight the Russians, how are they going to do that when you kick them all out of the military? Do you realize that there is a naval warship right now that they will not deploy because the captain will not get the jab? Do you realize that? That is happening right now. He's in the middle of a legal battle, and they will not deploy the warship. Do you think maybe deploying an extra naval warship right now might be kind of a good thing? 
wherever it's going to go? You think that might benefit U.S. foreign policy? You think maybe that could potentially save some lives, maybe be in the theater and help some people out who need it? But no, they won't do that. Guess who else isn't deploying right now? Navy SEALs aren't deploying. Other Tier 1 and Tier 2 operatives, they're not deploying because they're not getting the jab. All people who you desperately need in a conflict like Ukraine, not deploying. You people are really stupid. And then you got those people who are coming for your AR-15. They're celebrating the Ukrainians being issued full military-grade assault rifles to defend their freedom against an invading Russian army. Like, what is going on? You guys are all bonkers. More coming up. News Talk 95.3, Michiana's News Channel. Good afternoon. Thank you for tuning in. News Talk 95.3, Michiana's News Channel. I am your host, Casey Hendrickson. Well, if you happen to be a Russian tank driver, you probably need a new vehicle. Go to R&B Car Company. Get yourself a nice used vehicle. It's going to you know, probably have nice little warranty, low miles, some good features on there. A lot more comfortable than a T-72, T-80 tank that's getting blown to pieces in the Ukraine right now. Go to rbcarcompany.com. The moment has arrived. I told you that I expected this to happen. I know I wasn't alone in that, but some people were wondering if they were going to do it, and they did. Uh, Ash Show, one of my favorite writers over at Daily Wire, Gabby Petito's parents are suing Brian Laundrie's family. So Gabby Petito's parents are now suing the family of Brian Laundrie, alleging the Laundries knew their son had killed Petito's daughter and tried to help him evade capture. Yep. That's, that's pretty much the impression that I got covering the story. I think everybody else had that impression, too. They certainly hid him from authorities. Christopher Laundrie and Roberta Laundrie exhibited extreme and outrageous conduct, which constitutes behavior under the circumstances, which goes beyond all possible bounds of decency and is regarded as shocking, atrocious, and utterly intolerable in a civilized community, according to the lawsuit. That, yeah, that sounds about right. As a direct and proximate result of the willfulness and maliciousness of Christopher Laundrie and Roberta Laundrie, Joseph Petito and Nicole Schmidt had been caused to suffer pain and suffering, mental anguish, inconvenience, loss of capacity for enjoyment of life experienced in the past and to be experienced in the future. Now, obviously this is a tragic story, um, one that, has more twists and turns than, than most people are even aware of who just were, you know, doing the headline surfing on this. But when Brian Laundrie came back home, I mean, the parents basically hid him from authorities and pretended they didn't know where he was. Of course they did. They were hiding him. So here's the uh, the background from the Daily Wire. Gabby Petito, Brian Laundrie made national headlines last summer when a search was launched after Laundry returned home to his family's house in Northport, Florida, without Petito, the two had been traveling across the U.S. visiting national parks with Petito documenting the trip on social media. The case intensified when police body cameras were released, showing the couple after an argument with Petito seen crying and police separated the couple for the night. It is believed that on August 27, 2021, Brian Laundry murdered Gabrielle Petito 
And the court documents allege that uh, Laundrie sent fake text messages between his cell phone and Petito's in an effort to hide the fact that he had actually killed her and that she was already dead. Um, and again, the, the family were basically covering for, for their kid and hiding him. And it was one of those things that we were all watching this and, and we were all just like, okay, this is really weird behavior. But we expected some kind of a lawsuit to happen, if not criminal charges. That's the other thing that we're waiting for is some criminal charges on the, uh, the family. And, and given that there's a civil case here, there's a good chance that when criminal charges kind of come through, civil case gets sidebarred and they go through the criminal case first before the civil case actually goes forward. Uh, Steve Bertolino, the attorney representing the Laundries, told Fox News uh, that the lawsuit is baseless. Sure it is. As I have maintained over the last several months, the Laundries have not publicly commented at my direction, which is their right under the law. Assuming everything the Petitos allege in their lawsuit is true, which we deny, this lawsuit does not change the fact that the Laundries had no obligation to speak to law enforcement or any third party, including the Petito family. This fundamental legal process renders the Petito claim to be baseless under the law. So, you may have a point. That's the thing. Uh, will a, a jury see it that way? I, I don't, well, I don't know. It's a civil case, so a jury may not be involved. But um, that's, that's a good question. I, I guess we'll find out. But certainly when we were all looking at this, we expected there to be some kind of a civil case because the parents were clearly hiding him. And while they may not have had any obligation... Uh, to speak to the Laundry family, there's no doubt going to be no shortage of people out there seriously upset that they didn't and chose not to and chose to hide their son from the authorities, which, of course, could lead into a potential criminal case as we, uh, as we continue to go forward on all of this. And there's a good chance that that ends up happening, by the way. So very good chance. All right. Um, where did this go? Oh, yeah, New Hampshire. <clears throat> We're talking about Ukraine. Might as well do New Hampshire, too. Uh, New Hampshire rejected seceding from the United States. Cool. Did you know that there was a vote for uh, New Hampshire to secede at all? Yeah, I, I didn't know either. New Hampshire is usually not one of the states that does that. There's several states that, that regularly will have these. Colorado's been trying to do it for years, but a Republican-led proposal calling for a constitutional amendment allowing New Hampshire to secede from the United States is fizzled out. On Thursday, the House of Representatives voted... 323 to 13 to reject a proposed legislation that would have asked New Hampshire voters in the November elections to break ties with Washington, D.C. and become a separate nation state. So the referendum was just to get the vote on the ballot. And then the people of New Hampshire would have voted whether or not they wanted to be their own country or if they wanted to remain as, as a part of the union. If cleared for the ballot, the referendum put voters uh, it would have the referendum put before voters would have read New Hampshire peaceably declares independence from the United States and immediately proceeds as a sovereign nation. All other references to the United States in this constitution, state statutes and regulations are nullified. Now, let me just ask a question because I'm that guy. What if New Hampshire had said yes? What if the legislature voted to approve this referendum? The referendum gets onto the ballot, and what if the people of New Hampshire said, yeah, we are done being a part of the United States, we want to be our own country, and they seceded? What should the United States do? And I think that this is an extremely valid question. What should the United States do 
if a state, this is just New Hampshire uh, as the latest example, but other states have had this vote. What should the United States do if New Hampshire were to vote to secede from the United States? Does the United States allow it to? Or does the United States say, no, your election is null and void and you can't leave? Now, what if the latter happens? What if the United States looks at New Hampshire and says, yeah, you voted for it, but we don't recognize it. The vote isn't legal. And therefore, we're, we're not letting you leave. You're still a part of the United States. And then the people of New Hampshire get, oh, I don't know, a little uppity about it. And maybe they take up arms. And then maybe, potentially, some of the surrounding states have military units kind of positioned near the border with New Hampshire. Maybe fighting breaks out. Maybe, maybe you've got this, oh gosh, I don't know. Now, just pull a number out of my head. A six-year kind of a conflict with New Hampshire because they don't want to be a part of the union anymore. The reason I'm asking you this is that's essentially what happened in Donbass. So what? that's the part that's this whole Ukrainian war is over. So I, I guess depending on your answers there, um, and obviously their, their rules and regulations are a little bit different than ours, and there's some other things that happen there different than ours, but I just wanted to pose the question to you, how would you feel about that? And then what if the people of New Hampshire who desperately wanted to leave the Union got help from an outside country who was sympathetic? Uh, Maybe Canada. And then Canada decides to send in their military to protect the people of New Hampshire. You you get how these situations can spin out of control a little bit. Like I said, it's it's obviously a little bit different, but to the people of Donbass is basically what happened. That's their perspective on history, okay? Obviously, the people of Ukraine disagree with that, but that's their perspective. So I wanted to give that to you, not not to defend Russia or anything else, but I wanted to give you that perspective just so you could think about it a little bit because there's another argument in all of this beyond just Vladimir Putin invading Ukraine um, and wreaking havoc on that entire country. There's another thing that happened that needs to be acknowledged, which led ultimately to this conflict. So just do yourself a favor with that one, but... It's still a very interesting topic. There are states that periodically would try to do this. I, I don't know the last time that New Hampshire attempted it. I'm not really familiar. Only 13 people voted for it in the legislature, though. I doubt it would have passed uh, with the, the, uh, the, general, the general election. But who knows? With ballot stuffing and the way that uh, voter fraud and things like that have been happening, you don't know, it might have been possible. certainly could have been possible. Got more coming up. News Talk 95.3, Michiana's News Channel. Okay, so the caller wanted to know, during the Revolutionary War, could the Continental Army take, take what, their weapons with them? Or, well, if you're in the Continental Army, chances are you were issued your rifle, so no, that belonged to the state. Uh, but if you were a part of the militia or the Minutemen, you were probably arming yourself, and yeah, that was your personal property. Um, factoid, a lot of cannon in the Revolutionary War was privately owned. A lot of naval ships in the Revolutionary War were privately owned. 
So that's why it's always so funny when when the vegetable in chief goes out there and goes, you can't buy, you can't own a cannon. Yeah, you can. I can buy a cannon now. <laughs> I can make one at home right now. I, you're totally allowed to do it. It's not practical. Most people don't, but you can. Um, and uh, back in back in the olden times, yeah, if it was your property, you took it home because. <laughs> Back then, they fought wars with the same weapons that everybody had available to them. That's kind of the point. Uh, you said Flynn? Uh, Flynn, welcome to the program. Good afternoon. Hey, sorry, Casey. It's actually Lynn. But, Lynn, um, gotcha. Okay. You know, do you want to pose the question if New Hampshire was it? Uh, yeah, New Hampshire's the one that uh, just shot down the secession vote. Okay. So the first thing would be the government should ask, um, are you paying back all the federal tax money that was collected from all the taxpayers that you used to build your bridges and your roads and all your other programs? Are you going to mm -hmm. pay all that money back? And then I suppose New Hampshire would counter with, do we get a refund for all the money we sent to the federal government that was dispersed out to other states? Yeah, sure. Well, I mean, I think it's, as far as New Hampshire goes, the difference would be much less. So they would still end up owing a lot of money, I would think. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know if they're know. a donor state yeah. or not. That would be a, that'd be a good question. Anybody ever ask that question like maybe that should be part of the equation before you go voting what's going to be the impact if that that kind of thing happens well know? and i think that that would probably be one of the positions that the the government would come in and go hey we've invested in interstate highways and things like that there has to be some compensation maybe there could be something that could be arranged um economically with that or trade-wise um yeah but you know new hampshire could always just go we don't we don't want yeah, to be a part of it anymore <laughs> so bye um yeah all right, sir. All right. I, just I, I, I appreciate it. My head. Yeah. No, no. It's it's a good to question good? to ask because I'm sure that that would that would be the you know that they would go back and forth on that. So, yeah. all right, ma'am. I appreciate right. well, it. Have, have a good have a good day. You too. You too. Uh, yeah. New Hampshire can make the argument about mandates and you know insurance mandates, things like that. All either side could make that claim. The point is, is that I just wanted I wanted to present you with the idea since it happened here recently with New Hampshire having this vote. Uh, there was a vote to leave Ukraine by those two states in the Donbass region of Ukraine. They don't want to be a part of Ukraine anymore. So they had a vote according to their laws, which the Ukrainian government didn't recognize and said was an illegal vote. But they voted to leave and, and actually go their own way, which, of course, was ultimately to go back to Russia. Uh, and Ukraine didn't accept it. And, and again, I'm not saying that Ukraine's wrong. I, my point is, is that that's pretty much why we have this conflict right now. So if New Hampshire is weighing that that question, it gives me a way to kind of relate that to a lot of people. Because there's still this notion that, you know, Ukraine was minding its own business, doing its thing, you know, uh, pretty women, nice cities, and trying to join NATO. And all of a sudden Vladimir Putin came along and he had a bad case of indigestion, just decided to invade it and level the country. That's not what happened. But that's how it's being portrayed, and they're ignoring this whole other aspect there. You know, there are—I wonder how many Fox journalists or CNN journalists or anything else are in Donbass right now talking to the people of Donbass. How many do you think? Have you seen any reports about the people of, of Donbass and what they feel about— No, you haven't, because nobody's got any reporters there. But there are independent reporters there, and guess what? They are thrilled Russia stepped up. And again, I'm not saying that Russia's right here. I am on the Ukrainian side, but from their, their perspective, 
Russia's the one that came to protect them when Ukraine was hurting them. That's their perspective. Now, perhaps their perspective is a little warped. Sure, uh, has the have the, the militaries of, of Donbass committed war crimes along with the Ukrainians? Sure, they have. So, again, I just wanted you to just kind of understand that there's this other storyline out there that is being completely ignored in Western media that is extremely critical to what is happening over there and understanding why this conflict is actually going on. And unfortunately, with people not knowing that aspect of it, you know, they you end up starting to get a very warped sense of, of what's actually going on. And, you know, then again, Putin is the the ultimate bad guy. And again, not a great dude. He's <laughs> Vladimir Putin. Let's be honest. We all know who Vladimir Putin is. But there's this other issue there beyond just, oh, I want Ukraine. That has to be acknowledged, even if the Russian perspective is not reasonable. Okay, uh, Ben, welcome to the program. Good afternoon. Hello. Ben, you there? Well, that's weird. No, I don't have them. I don't know. Sorry, Ben. I don't know what happened either. Yeah, maybe didn't think it was going to get on that fast. I don't know. Uh, well, if you're if you're out there and you want to call back, we'll we'll try and get you back on after the news break. Do my best, but but again, it's you know, like I said, I'm not trying to go out there and tell you that hey, you know. Russia's the good guy, Ukraine's really the bad guy. That's not the case at all. But you still need to understand that the catalyst for all of this is what happened in those two regions who declared independence in the Donbass region. Um, And those two territories, I should say, in the Donbass region. And that's why this conflict has kicked off. Or at least that is the excuse that Putin was able to use to kick the the, the conflict off. So if you know that, Maybe it changes your perspective just a little bit. Maybe it doesn't. That's okay. But at least you at least have the the other side of the story. You got more coming up. News Talk 95.3, Michiana's news channel. MNC News Time is 431. Time to check out Impress Jewelry Creations, creating meaningful jewelry for the moment so it will last a lifetime. Good afternoon. Thank you for tuning in. News Talk 95.3, Michiana's news channel. I am your host, Casey Hendrickson. Welcome back to the program. Don't forget, you can watch the show live, rumble.com slash Casey, the host. Make sure you subscribe, and that way you get notifications when I do the other show and also when I upload additional content. All right, back to the phone lines. Uh, Ben is called back. Ben, how you doing? I'm good, Casey. How are you? I'm doing well. All right, what's on your mind? Well, um... I'm glad, actually, you're, you've been taking the angle you have, and, and uh, to an extent so as Tucker Carlson, in so much as, as a European, if somebody had asked me six months ago well, who was the slipperiest nation on the planet, I'd have said, hands down, you mm. Um They're not known for straight talking. They are known for having a massive underworld and under, under almost a mob, Eastern European style. Yeah. And if you look at the city of Odessa that was built by Catherine the Great, um, that has the world's largest under under city labyrinth 
and that was used for centuries by a very large mafia. Um, it's just kind of what Ukraine does, and obviously their, their actions with uh, uh, Superboy Biden and um, by, by hiring him in a corrupt fashion and then taking a bribe from his father in a corrupt fashion, they're not exactly known for straight shooting. I, I have a great deal of admiration for the way they're, they're fighting the Russians and they're digging in, and I hope to God that more of the atrocities we're seeing are, are staged than real, but I've been feeling a lot of them real. But the reality is, I mean, Confucius said, uh, if you have two enemies who want to fight, let them fight, let them kill each other, you'll have one enemy left, or none. Well, and that's, you know, kind of the other thing that has been brought up before is, you know, Ukraine is not exactly an ally. Now, I've made the case that we have a defense treaty. They gave up their nuclear weapons. We promised to protect them. I think that we're breaking that that deal. Um, that's problematic for our foreign policy, I believe. But at the same time, you know, what's done is done. At this point in time, what do we do now? And, you know, now that there's actually been an outbreak, you know, do we escalate that with, with Russia, knowing that, Putin's going to be desperate. Um, let's let's be honest. He's realizing right now he could never go toe to toe with us. He probably knew that already, but now he's crystal clear that they can't even fight us. So you know this is yeah. this is not something that he wants. It's not something that anybody else wants. He's clearly going to be embarrassed here. Uh, even if he wins, he's going to be embarrassed. But um, that's the thing I that you, I don't think it would. I don't think it would be at all productive to back Putin into a corner because. He'll go back to the sort of very, very old school uh, Russian thinking, and that is do not lose at any cost, regardless of right. outcome. Yeah, yeah. Uh, at this point, if you're back into a corner as a tight rat and you have a red button, you're going to press it. Yeah, I think at this point, the best course of action for the West is to let the Ukrainians continue to do the fighting. We, we are giving them the right tools for them to, to fight well and let the Russians take care of Putin if they so choose. Because, uh, right, right I mean, if, that's the best That's the best can, thing for Russia at this point in time, let alone the West. If we can continue to give the Ukrainians enough weapons to basically squish the conventional army of Russia, which is a, they're doing a wonderful job of doing, yeah. without getting our, our feet in the, in the fire ourselves, we've, Basically, then just disarmed him, and you know very well that he isn't going to last very long. Once, once, once the Russian politicians get to allow his oligarchs have a little chat with him. Right. Well, people don't realize that Putin's, you know, deeply engaged with the Russian mafia, and they're not going to they're not going to be thrilled with him on this. So, no, uh, absolutely not. Yeah. No, I'm I'm glad you called. You know, obviously Tucker Carlson, and I'm sure it's it's happened with me too. Oh, you're pro Russia or whatever. It's like. You know, my the Ukrainian people, everybody I know who's been to Ukraine has always said, one, beautiful place, two, super cheap, and three, the people were the nicest people they'd encountered in Europe. And I believe that. That doesn't mean that there isn't a criminal, corrupt uh, swamp that runs their governments and things like that. I know Zelensky was supposed to be a step in the right direction away from that, but he's got his problems, too. And, you yeah, know, you, you can't just ignore all of that. Towards democracy, there's no way in hell that they're actually there yet. Not even close. Yeah, not even close. So, so all right, man, I appreciate the call. Thank you much. All right. You know, this, um, it, as I've said before, Ukraine is a messy, messy situation. It, it really, really is. Um, you've heard my admiration for the Ukrainian people. My family is from Ukraine. 
You know, that's that we're from a small town near Chernobyl. That's where we're from. So, you know, I have tremendous admiration for the Ukrainian people. I think Kiev is one of the most beautiful cities in the world. Uh, nobody ever thinks about Kiev as being beautiful, but it is. Uh, watch some of the uh, Chuck Horton video of him walking around in downtown Kiev uh, doing his on-the-site reports. You will see an absolutely gorgeous city. I mean, it's just beautiful there. So you can't, you can't ignore, however, all of the other things that happen. Now, with that said, a lot of people on the right, and I know that we've already said this before, but a lot of people on the right blame Zelensky for things that happened under Poroshenko. Poroshenko's the guy that Joe Biden said wouldn't get the aid until he fired the, uh, the prosecutor. Poroshenko is super corrupt. Poroshenko openly embraces neo-Nazis. Um, Zelensky's Jewish. He doesn't embrace neo-Nazis. He's, he's supposed to be a reformer. But a part of being a reformer is him going in and getting rid of oligarchs who are corrupt and taking them out of government, reforming parliament, which led Western media to accuse him of being a, to, a totalitarian. And now all of a sudden, those same people who called him a totalitarian six, six months and 12 months ago suddenly are rooting for him as this great national hero of Ukraine. And he certainly rose to the occasion. There's no doubt about it. But um, there's it's a much more complicated issue than anybody in the U.S. wants you to believe. And that's why I'm just doing my best to give you both perspectives so at least you understand where the Russian perspective may come from, okay? You don't have to agree with it. I'm not telling you that I agree with it, but there is there is legitimate beef on the Russian side of things for this operation rather than peaceful Ukraine minding its own business and just getting attacked by crazy psychopath Putin. That's not, again, that is not what happened here, but that's how it's being portrayed in order to whip up those war drums and now you've got, you know, calls for assassination and that sort of stuff. And it just none of it makes any sense. I did upload a video earlier and we talked about it. Uh, for those of you who are interested in it or pay attention to the, the combat footage that's coming out of Ukraine, most of it comes from the Ukrainian side because the Ministry of Defense in Russia doesn't release a lot. They did just release the air assault on the, uh, the, the airfield that happened in the opening day. But... They didn't uh, they didn't release the repelling of their forces after that or the retaking of the airfield after they were repelled. So they're releasing very, very small bits here and there. And the Russians are having success. So most of the footage comes from the Ukrainians. And a lot of it is, you know, GoPros and things like that that are released. But uh, you watch the whole tank regiment just get blown to smithereens by the Ukrainian artillery. I mean, the Russians were moving down the highway and it's, you know, two lanes on each side with a median in the middle. And they were just raining down artillery on them and just killing these tanks. And they had to turn around and get out of there, which created a traffic jam because of dead tanks on the road and they couldn't get around it. And more of them got, got chewed up. I mean, it's, it's an ugly, ugly situation for the Russians. And I tend to believe a lot of these Russian soldiers who have been captured who say that we were told that we were on a training exercise and that this was not an actual war, and then all of a sudden we're, you know, we're getting killed. So I, I tend to believe that there's too many of them in different parts of the, the uh, country who are saying that that's what happened to them. So the, the Russian people, generally speaking, don't want to be at war with Ukraine. The Ukrainian people, generally speaking, don't want to be at war with Russia. I think everybody kind of gets that this is a, a Putin-Ukrainian government beef and not a Russian-Ukrainian beef. The problem is, is that everybody is going to play these two off of each other 
and Ukraine is being sacrificed so that way they can do damage to Putin. And unfortunately, a lot of innocent people are going to get caught up in that. All right, we got to move on to other things. i uh, got a lot to talk about today. More coming up. News Talk 95.3, Michiana's News Channel. Here's another thing, too. Um, look, there's a war in Ukraine. Poland is next to Ukraine. There's going to be explosions near Poland. And, you know, you don't need to saber rattle over it. It's okay to be concerned that it gets close to the border of Poland. But the Russians haven't attacked Poland. They haven't come close to attacking Poland or any any NATO territory or EU territory or anything like that. So, uh, you know, I, I didn't appreciate the, the news coverage of that today, how they covered it. It just didn't seem appropriate. But a lot has not been appropriate about the way that they've covered this. What do you expect? Sensationalist media does this about everything. Charles, welcome to the program. Hey, Case. I enjoy your show very much. Thank you. What's on your mind? Um, the Ukrainians are not that unlike their Russian cousins as far as speech and culture and all that. There are differences, but they are similar in a lot of ways as well. Mm-hmm. In your opinion... Since Ukraine is the underdog, do you think the Ukrainians can or will infiltrate, uh, say, Moscow or St. Petersburg, and we're going to see some car bombs, uh, terrorist type of of attacks to get back at what the Russians are doing to them? Like now or in the future? Now. Yeah, I don't know about now. I think everybody is all hands on deck to protect the homeland. Um, But... When the the conflict ends, okay, depending on how that ends, I could absolutely mm-hmm. see something like that happening. You know, there's a right. lot of people who have family in both countries, and mm-hmm. so if if Ukraine comes out of this very poorly, and the Russian, you know, the Russian rule over Ukraine or the the vassal that they install in Ukraine is particularly heavy-handed, then yeah, I could totally see that. You know, this is the right. other thing about this conflict is that Putin has enough troops to maybe take Ukraine. How can he hold it? This is the largest country in Europe. How are you going to hold that country? That's right. And was it last week uh, the Russians hit a, a Muslim mosque and there were casualties? And you have to, you know, Putin's got to be looking over his shoulder because he's got several of those states in the Russian Federation mm-hmm. that are Muslim. Well, in those check-in forces that he uses are Muslim. Yeah. Yeah. If, so if their if their army is so great, why is he looking for troops from Syria and troops from Africa and Belarus? Right. And, and you know, I would I would also kind of caution on some of those reports because some of it's just Western media stuff. Like I I'm mm-hmm. not necessarily buying into this China thing yet, where they're saying mm-hmm. that he's asking China for military aid. I don't know that I believe that. Um, well, it's possible. I was, at, I was looking at One American News and Newsmax earlier, and on the snippets that they have going across the bottom of the screen yeah both of them said uh that the russian news news agency is to use tucker carlson's talking points <laughs> interesting you know well, they're trying to make he, him he, sound pro-russian well that, and that's what the american media has been trying to do and all he's tried to do is be neutral and say look i don't think we need to be at war with russia you know he right. hasn't 
to my knowledge, and correct me if I'm wrong, if anybody's out there, I don't believe that Tucker Carlson has ever come out and said, I'm rooting for Russia here uh, down with Ukraine. I don't think I've ever heard that. No, he hasn't. So, and that's why I appreciate you because we're getting the viewpoint from both combatants. Yeah, and that's and that's just it. You're supposed to be the neutral third party here, and you're supposed to know what their perspectives are, so you can you know make your own opinions. Hey, I got to roll. I'm on heartbreak, but thank you so much for the call. I appreciate it. And we got more coming up. 95.3 MNC. look into and uh, i know that the uh, the attack on mariupol is is uh, been particularly ugly for a lot of folks they, that's where that maternity award was hit but just two days before that i was showing you video of russian troops refusing to fire on unarmed civilians so you know there's something dramatically different that happened in that city with the russian command there um real interesting situation there uh, I have to say this, and some people are even mentioning it on on the live stream. I've been saying it for a couple of days. I don't know why Fox News is using footage from the Azov Battalion. Uh, Azov Battalion are uh, largely neo-Nazi. And again, the the history in parts of Ukraine with neo-Nazis and everything else kind of stems from Stalin persecuting them. And I had a had a buddy of mine kind of point out, like, people probably need some context historically with that. And he's I believe he's right. So if you go back to World War II, Ukrainians were being slaughtered by Stalin, and then you had Hitler coming over and saying, I will support a free independent Ukraine if you side with us. And so a lot of them did. And as a result, you you still have some pro-Nazi sentiment in parts of Ukraine, but it is not widespread. It is not the country itself. It's not ruled by Nazis. Um, you know, the whole government's not Nazis is ruled by Jewish people for crying out loud right now. So that's that's not a legitimate complaint by Putin. Now, I will say this Poroshenko, uh, Zelensky's predecessor, was pretty pro Nazi. So, the, you know, the guy who worked with the Biden family, he was pretty pro Nazi. Uh, he loved the Azov battalion. But I do have some questions like, what does the left say about the right constantly in this country? Uh, you're Nazis. Well, if you're Fox News, why are you using a neo-Nazi battalion's footage to showcase damage in Ukraine? I get it's compelling footage, but I don't know. I, I would question the logic in using that particular footage. That's just me. Um, in, in addition to that, a Fox News reporter has been injured in Ukraine. They're in the hospital recovering. Uh, we don't know what caused the injuries or how extensive they are. Doesn't appear to be life-threatening at this point in time, so that is good news. Um, where where did his name go? I had him up here earlier. Uh, all right. Well, I mentioned it at the 3 o'clock hour. I, I apologize. I didn't save the article that had his name in there. The, uh, the journalist is there, but he's one that you see on TV uh, quite regularly. But he did get injured in Ukraine. Uh, but he is in the hospital recovering. He's doing okay. All right. So that's the latest update that we have. If that changes, we'll certainly let you know. Uh, what else do we have here? All right. Amazon is moving employees out of their downtown Seattle office. They're relocating them to a safer location due to ongoing violence in downtown Seattle. 
Now, I don't know how many of you have ever been to the People's Republic of Seattle. I used to live in Washington State. I worked in Federal Way. I lived in Lakewood, which was a part of Tacoma until Tacoma wanted their crime stats to go down. So they carved out this six-block radius of Lakewood and immediately like halved their, their crime, crime stats. Um, so I'm very familiar with I have family in Seattle and in surrounding areas. Seattle, as much as I didn't like the place, always felt safe. Never felt unsafe in Seattle. It was extremely safe everywhere. Always felt comfortable walking around. Didn't matter what time of year, what time of day it was. And now in downtown Seattle, it's so dangerous that Amazon is moving their employees to different locations so they're safer. That's how bad it has gotten in the People's Republic of Seattle right now. Uh, also, Juicy Smoulet, also known as Jesse Smollett, for some of you uncultured types. Uh, Jesse Smollett has been placed in a psych ward at the Cook County Jail, according to his brother, and that was uh, due to the outburst in the court after his sentence was read, in which the judge eviscerated him. Um, I, I liked, I particularly liked the part where they said that he had become an adjective for liar. <laughs> that was great. So uh, Jesse Smollett, he had this outburst, and he said, I am not suicidal, and he tried to pretend that his life was in danger, like he was going to be Epstein or something. And he's been placed in a psychiatric ward as a result of that. Plus, you probably have to say somebody who fakes a hate crime like this probably needs psych- psychiatric evaluation anyway. Um, so he maintained his innocence in spite of all of the evidence to the contrary, which has been out there from the very early days of this. So he is now in a psych ward, according to his family. Uh, his family now says that he's become a total victim. Yeah, no, that's that's not how this works. Uh, speaking of universal human scum. We've got Alec Baldwin, the rust armorer, Hannah Gutierrez-Reed, who has consistently every month or so put out a really nasty piece of information about Alec Baldwin. He's honestly, he might be in some trouble here. Although Alec Baldwin himself, this is how it goes back to him being a sociopath. Okay, Alec Baldwin himself, who feels no remorse and, and no, no guilt whatsoever at the killing of this woman. In the interview, he's the one that said that. He goes, I didn't do it. This guy says that his contract is so ironclad that he cannot be held responsible for her death. You imagine saying something like that or even alluding to something like that. So the armorer, who is increasingly looking like she might be completely innocent in this thing, based on her court filings anyway, uh, she said that, And for you gun owners out there who are responsible or experienced, this is not going to be a surprise to all of you. Uh, She has said that Alec Baldwin pointed the gun at uh, Helena Hutchins before the fatal incident against all of the rules and common sense, which, again, rule number one, you do not point that gun at somebody unless you intend to shoot them. Never do it, period. Doesn't matter if it's a movie set. Doesn't matter if you're training. Doesn't matter what it is. You don't point it. We tell kids this, like little kids, when they're running around with their Nerf guns and stuff. Don't point it at anybody, right? And then, of course, they do. But don't point it at anybody. And Alec Baldwin did. That's the only reason that she shot. It doesn't matter if he squeezed the trigger or not. And I know that there's now, I guess, that law enforcement expert who is looking at this going, yeah, it's totally possible he didn't squeeze the trigger. I watched a lot of videos of people with that gun that he was using on set who demonstrated that that thing would not fire unless you squeeze that trigger. 
I don't know anything about that particular firearm, but I watched a lot of people go through the firearm used on that set, and that thing could not be fired without squeezing the trigger. They tried all sorts of things to make that thing go off, and so now you've got like one law enforcement person going, yeah, it's possible it could go off, but I don't know. I, I may, Maybe maybe everybody else is wrong and this guy's right. I don't know, but it seems real suspect to me. Um, nonetheless, it's just increasingly, whether he squeezed the trigger or not, he drew the gun. He wasn't supposed to, according to the script writer, who's also sued him, by the way. He wasn't supposed to be drawing the gun. That gun was not supposed to be loaded for that scene. He wasn't supposed to aim it at her. He did, and it went off. Whether he squeezed the trigger or not, he's responsible for her death. He's the one that was doing what he wasn't supposed to be doing, and a woman is dead because of it, and a child doesn't have his mom because of it. Somebody else got wounded as a result of all of this. So now, here's the other part. Uh, in, in one of the lawsuits here, he's also... Um, being accused of, and I don't know necessarily how I feel about this, he's being accused of wanting to finish finish filming the, the movie after the fatal shooting. Now, I think a lot of people would probably look at it and go, wow, somebody died on set, we're not going to finish this. Um, I don't know that I necessarily take that track. Accidents happen. Uh, if somebody dies on a work site, you still finish the project, do you not? And, you know, there's a lot of people that have died making movies and they still made the movies. And some of those movies are classic movies, and you probably have an idea of some of the ones that I'm talking about right now. But I can see wanting to finish that project, and I could also see using a justification for somebody who actually does care about the victim and saying, look, they worked on it. Their, their fingerprints are all over this thing, too. We need to finish this for them. They gave their life for this project, and we need to make sure that this thing is, is completed. I could see that. So... It's a part of a lawsuit against Alec Baldwin in attacking him, but at the same time, I could see somebody's perspective in wanting to complete the movie in order to go ahead and, and finish the, the project. Just because somebody dies doesn't mean you just abandon it. Uh, now, whatever that timeline looked like, that might be a big factor in all of this. And one last thing in the blurbs, the FBI gave drugs to the Whitmer plotters before, quote, selectively recording their conversations, according to their attorney, in October 2020, 14 arrests were made due to an alleged shocking plot to kidnap a sitting governor of one of the country's most populous states. That is Michigan right next door, for those of you who are on the Michigan side of the border. And we, what we did learn about that is that the FBI was responsible for that whole plot and that that thing would not have happened if the FBI did not plan it, plot it, and concoct the entire thing. But this extra detail gets real interesting. As more details were revealed, it became clear the FBI was involved in not only arresting the suspects in the alleged plan to kidnap Governor uh, Whitmer, but also in helping to plot, helping to plot to take form in the first place. And of course, we go through the opening trial. We don't need to read all of that. This is all in the Federalist Papers. But now they actually talk about um, being given drugs and then selectively editing what the people say after becoming intoxicated with the drugs, which could be very problematic for the prosecution as this case goes forward. And this is this has been just a messy, messy, ugly conspiracy from the very beginning, which, of course, they tried to blame on Donald Trump, even though none of the people involved are Trump supporters. But it it is what it is. So I'll include it in the Daily Show prep. Feel free to, to poke around and look at the details of this thing as this trial continues. It's just getting worse and worse and worse for the FBI.
And a lot of people are, are at their wits end with the FBI and don't even want them to exist as an organization. As you know, on this show, uh, we labeled the FBI the FSB a long time ago. They're basically the Russian equivalent of who they are. That's how they behave. That's how they conduct themselves. They don't conduct themselves like a law enforcement agency for a free representative republic. That is for sure. We got more coming up. News Talk 95.3, Michiana's News Channel. And good afternoon. Thank you for tuning in. News Talk 95.3, Michiana's news channel. I am your host, Casey Hendrickson. Don't forget, you can watch the uh, show on Rumble. Go to rumble.com slash Casey, the host. Make sure you hit that subscribe button too, please. Little um, little hint. Going to be doing a giveaway this week exclusively for Rumble subscribers. If you're not on Rumble, you will not be able to win nothing. So go to rumble.com slash Casey, the host. Okay. All right. Uh, later on this week, we will talk about Mitt Romney versus Tulsi Gabbard. I don't have time to do it today because we've talked too much about Ukraine today, frankly. Uh, we'll also talk about the latest new developments involving Hillary Clinton and the Durham probe a little bit later on this week, probably tomorrow, uh, just so everybody is aware because, again, things are... Things are a little bit different. In the meantime, uh, let's go local here. RealNewsMichiana.com. The South Bend chapter of the NAACP is now denying a partnership with convicted felon and claimed activist Vernada Malone. Of course, we've been covering Vernada Malone. He is the person who was accused of taking photographs of naked people at the mortuary and showing them to people around town. Um, he is accused of sexual harassment, I think fraud, some other stuff that uh, that he is facing an investigation for. He continues to attack a woman who is seeking a protective order against him. The woman is also suing him for defamation. However, one of the NAACP's board members, Aisha Avance, is related to Malone and is also part of the scheme that involved taking nude pictures of dead bodies at a local funeral home. Now, we've talked about her before, but she's on the board of the NAACP. So... Very interesting stuff happening in the city of South Bend. Uh, all of this, by the way, for those of you in the national audience, not local in Indiana or Michigan, uh, this is all stuff that we've been dealing with all the way through former Mayor Pete Buttigieg, now the Transportation Secretary's administration. And nobody in the national media talks about it except for Brian Kilmeade, Fox and & Friends, and Tucker Carlson when they have me on, uh, Lars Larson on his radio show, and he has me on as well. Uh, let's see. Malone is claiming the NAACP is planning a news conference outside of the county city building. Uh, the news conference was to attack the woman with lies, claiming that she was given access to sensitive voter information data at the voter registration office. In fact, the woman and her husband were both running for elected office and were at the voter registration office to file their proper paperwork when Vernado Malone continued a pattern of years long harassment against the woman. Now, this is all alleged. OK, um, so. 
it's important that you understand that Clifton French over realnewsmichiana.com has provided a lot of evidence to support the claims of the woman against Renata Malone. Renata Malone obviously denies all of it, uh, but the woman has um, obviously made a defamation suit, so the process continues. The woman has a court hearing about the protective order against Malone scheduled for tomorrow. Is that today? Nope, that is tomorrow, Tuesday. So we'll see more about that, I guess, when it happens. So the NAACP, according to the president, Trina Robinson, the NAACP has was initially looking into the claims but backed off once leadership received further information about Malone and the accusations of attacks against the woman. Robinson told Real News Michiana that there will be no news conference today. The woman who Malone is attacking is a former employee of the office and was a key witness to uncovering a scheme in which Malone was taking and sharing nude photographs of dead bodies at a local funeral home. So basically this woman works with uh, realnewsmichiana.com to uncover this story, which is an exclusive. Uh, that story gets uncovered and then he proceeds to harass her. Uh, then he defames her, gets the NAACP involved. She then files a defamation lawsuit. You get where this is going. And now the NAACP is kind of backing away and saying, okay, we're, we're not interested in going after this woman anymore as more of this information has come to light. So the NAACP has looked at this and they're even backing away from this story. So keep an eye on it. And the reason that I want you to keep an eye on it is not just because of, of the human interest thing because of what he's accused of doing, but his ties to South Bend government, including the Alive Grant program, which seems to have finally taken itself seriously this year and awarded some grants to some actual good organizations for the city. Uh, without a doubt, they've, they've done some really good grant awards this year. But his ties to government officials, Democrat Party officials, and even the Alive Grant program make this a much bigger story than just, oh, he took some pictures that were inappropriate and illegal and shared them with people that he wasn't allowed to share them with and then also... Uh, harassed a woman who exposed it. It's more than that. This has to do with institutional corruption in the city of South Bend. That's what this has to deal with. So this is a much bigger, much broader story than just what he is accused of doing to this woman and to those victims at the mortuary. So keep an eye on this. Pay very close attention to the story at realnewsmichiana.com because the accusations are very, very serious and do involve some higher-ups in South Bend's government. We got more coming up. MNC News Time is 5.30. Uh, Got to check out Impress Jewelry Creations, creating meaningful jewelry for the moments that will last a lifetime. And good afternoon. Thank you for tuning in. News Talk 95.3, Michiana's news channel. I am your host, Casey Hendrickson. You know, as a quick little sidebar there, uh, you can get uh, my coffee over at Nutrition HQ as well. They, they do sell it there. Go to Nutrition HQ at 5804 Grape Road in Mishawaka. You mentioned me, Casey 20 You get a discount. At the store, you also get a discount online at nhqsb.com. Check out the TB16. Ladies, when you get the TB16 stack, they'll give you a free uh, women's multivitamin as well when you go to Nutrition HQ. So TB16 is a fantastic product. It's their best seller. It's an, it's Seriously, it's a great product. It's for men and women, but it's really popular with the ladies. So it has a fat burner in it. It has an appetite suppressant. It ha- helps against water retention but it also has a mood enhancer to help you be the best version of you throughout the day, and it tastes amazing, and you can pick whichever flavor you want. Go to Nutrition HQ 5804 Grape Road in Mishawaka. Again, promo code 
Casey 20. All right, let's uh, take a look at this. Wisconsin. Wisconsin probe, a couple of weeks ago, we told you, found massive nursing home voting fraud. There's 100% turnout at some facilities. Now, Casey, older people vote. 100% turnout doesn't seem implausible. 100% turnout never happens. And in some of those facilities where they had 100% turnout, it's a bit problematic. Do you know why it's problematic? Josh, any idea why it's problematic? Oh, it's problematic because some of the people who are in the facility aren't legally allowed to vote. You see why 100% turnout might be a problem at a nursing home facility where several people at the facility can't legally vote? Now, that was in Wisconsin, okay? Massive voter fraud has now been identified in the latest election in Texas. 15% of all mail-in ballots were rejected. Not because of simple errors, but because, according to CBS News, more than 16,000 were rejected. I said 15,000. Okay, uh, 15%. Excuse me. 15% over 16,000 ballots were rejected in the recent election in Texas. 16,800, to be precise, were rejected across 14 of the 25 counties with the most registered voters. It's about 15% of all mail ballots returned in those counties. The rejections came in the first major election since Texas Republicans passed sweeping new election law known as SB1. So once again, we end up finding out that there's massive fraud. Thank God that law was in place to catch it. What would have happened if it wasn't in place to catch it? And for those of you, our neighbors or friendly neighbors, whom I've escaped over the past couple of years when I escaped from Michigan right before Heil Whitler got her claws into the state, Michigan election official has been charged with, are you ready for this? This is yesterday's news, ballot tampering and misconduct. <clears throat> what? In Michigan? You're kidding. We've never heard about that, have we, newsman Josh? Never heard of voter fraud in Michigan or ballot tampering in Michigan. Here's the here's the real surprise, though. The real surprise that this dude's a, well, this person, is it a dude? Yeah, Kathy, Kathy, Democrat, okay? Kathy is a Democrat, allegedly a guy, okay? We don't want to assume gender. Kathy is a Democrat, and Dana Nessel actually prosecuted. Who knew? Dana Nessel, run and cover. Now, if Dana Nessel is prosecuting a Democrat in Michigan for voter fraud and ballot tampering, you know what that means? That means Dana Nessel is deflecting from a much bigger story that she doesn't want you to hear about. <laughs> because that's not what Dana Nessel does. But I just thought you should know that that has happened in the state of Michigan. I'll tell you what's happening in the state of Montana next, coming up on Newstalk 95.3, Michiana's News Channel. Well, just like we saw under Obama, Montana has said, that's it. Forget about you, the vegetable in chief. We're going to do it on our own. What is the, uh, since Bill O'Reilly's coming up in a couple of minutes, what's the whole Bill O'Reilly thing? Bleep it, we'll do it live. That's what Montana's doing. Montana's doing their version of Bill O'Reilly. Bleep it, we'll do it live. Montana's taking matters into their own hands. They have restarted their dormant oil wells and they've started drilling for oil in those dormant wells, regardless of what the administration wants them to do, because they're going to start pumping out more gas and more oil. Well, not gas. They're going to pump out more oil to make gas, and they're going to do it on their own, again, against 
the will of the federal government, which is exactly what happened under the Obama administration with uh, the Dakotas and, and other states as well. So Montana has just said, that's it. Enough is enough. We're not going to deal with this anymore. And they've restarted uh, their uh, their projects. Uh, Alan Olson is the executive director of the Montana Petroleum Association, Contacted uh, was contacted by the Western Journal, gave them all of the details on restarting the uh, the project. And uh, it's even on the local news, man. So they're they're not messing around. Montana's taking matters into their own hands. So good for them. Hope more states take up this mentality and they get this done because that's what it's going to take. It had to be done under the Obama administration. It'll have to be done under the Biden administration as well. Once again, just um, private sector stepping up where the public sector is lacking. Always works out that way. It's kind of weird. Hey, make sure you subscribe on Rumble, rumble.com slash Casey, the host. Make sure you get the daily show prep, the podcast videos, and more at the burning truth.us. Here's Bill O'Reilly.